Yeah, I'm just calling to uh, let you know that I'm back in the office. I took about 10 days off. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I know. Everybody needs a break, right? Okay. Yeah, I'm back in the office, so uh, we'll 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 check you later. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Hey, welcome back uh, to me. Feels like I've been gone forever. Uh, Lee Sterry here, of course, with episode 13 on this September. What is it? Seventh now of the 411. We are fueled by Gales Gas Bars Limited, as per usual. We are also uh, at the Fiddler's Poorhouse, which you're going to get a chance to have a look at in a minute. We are powered by WeStream, and you'll be uh, able to chat on and off, and uh, we'll chat with Kevin and WeStream throughout the uh, portion of the show. This is the first day that we've done an edition of the 411 that does not have blazing, blazing heat. So I know it's not a picture-perfect Labor Day, Holiday Monday, but it's kind of a nice break to have a little bit of a cooler day for us anyway. And of course, we know it's all about us. Actually, it's all about Niagara, and we've got some really good guests coming on today. School day is tomorrow for a lot of children around Niagara. Is it for all? I'm not exactly up to date yet on any of the staggered starts and that kind of thing, uh, whether there even are any in Niagara. But Crystal Caputo is going to be with us. Also, Gail Hanlon is going to be here. She is a homeschooling expert. We've chatted with Gail before and uh, we'll get an update from her on what she thinks the situation is right now. And uh, also the Canadian Motor Speedway project of Fort Erie is not dead in the water or, or dead on the track, as they might say. So E.T., Eric Thomas of Raceline Radio is gonna be joining us also in the program. In the meantime, Fiddler's Poorhouse is our location. You can come by and join us on the program and we'll tell you how. Follow me. Okay, yeah. I uh, am hatless today, not because I don't have the hat, just because I'm not sitting under the bright sunshine and I'm not going to get my head burnt off. <laughs> so that's uh, kind of, and Kevin is going to uh, do his best here to get me wired up for sound so that when you contact the program, which you are invited to do, and we'll tell you how to do that again in a second, you can, uh, I can hear you. That's what this uh, little thing is all about. And once again, we are here at uh, 149 St. Paul Street in downtown St. Catharines, but it is all about all over Niagara. And uh, we were talking about weather just a little bit earlier. Thanks, Kevin. I guess I can uh, take this guy off now. We were talking about uh, weather a little bit earlier. And uh, you may be, depending on your location, waking up uh, we must do the uh, sanitized thing as well because sometimes, you know, uh, my office down the street, uh, sometimes it just doesn't feel fresh to me. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's, uh, that, that may be my paranoia kicking in, I don't know, but, you know, just in case. Um, what you may be waking up to, depending on your location today, are scenes like this. Now, that's a scene of, uh, is that Montebello Park, Kev? Yeah, Montebello Park, and the yeah. police officers had that road blocked off. Yeah, so there's some wind damage, uh, obviously, there to the local foliage, foliage of uh, Montebello Park. And um, there's a, a couple of other shots that uh, we have for you to have a look at. There's some people, as you know, business people that have their uh, patios set up all nice and uh, neatly arranged for you and uh, sometimes things like this happen. That's just around the corner from where we sit at this very moment in time. So uh, hopefully you did not sustain any damage where you were. Um, 
we've had some pretty uh, extreme, I guess, weather in some cases. Port Colborne was the site of what some people were saying for a while was perhaps a tornado. Now, this was, uh, how many days ago was this, Kevin? About yeah, a week ago? A couple ago? days ago. I think we're looking just a couple um, of days? Thursday, Friday. Okay. With me being off for a while, all the days run into one another. Could have been a week, could have been a day. I'm not, uh, I'm not sure. But yeah, I've got some pictures up. But, Lee, this right now is going on in St. Catharines. There's a power outage. Oh, okay. Uh, right in the downtown core. Okay. Uh, bordered by... So there you are, kind of right up, right up Lake Street, kind of yeah. west to Ontario, looks east to Geneva. Um, that might be... Well, it's a little bit, yeah, south, south of the Queenie. And the Fairview Mall in that uh, that downtown section. Yeah, so there's a uh, there's okay, a definite so power outage, and I, my assumption is that that's caused by falling limbs and falling trees, and there are falling limbs and falling trees all over Niagara this morning. Yeah, yeah. And as you mentioned in uh, Port Colborne this last week, I think it was a confirmed tornado. Is I, that, that, was, is that I, correct? That's kind of where I was going. At first, they said it might be, and they were going to check it out, but the, it, it was definitely uh, confirmed as an actual tornado that touched down in Port Colburn around 10.40 at night. So that's, kind of, that's an unusual happening. I mean, we can get some extreme weathers, especially in areas close to the lake, uh, Ontario or, and or Erie. But uh, very rarely do we get tornadoes. It happens, but not, not extremely often. So hopefully you have not sustained any damage where you are. Uh, I feel for you if uh, today is your garbage day and you put it out last night. Because <laughs> you, 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 you may have some cleanup to do. Uh, I stopped doing that because for one reason or another, uh, be it uh, raccoons or skunks or winds or whatever it is, I ended up doing some sort of street cleanup every Monday morning prior to... Uh, prior to garbage pickup, so I just do it in the morning now. It saves myself a lot of grief. And on that note, Lee, even though today is a holiday Labor Day, uh, garbage is not interrupted. So your no. regular day this week. No. Yeah. Um, they, they don't change the garbage days. Yeah. So That's just trying sure. to just trying to see, Lee, where some of the power outages may or may not okay. be. And Electra, the service provider here, yeah. um, goes city by city. So I guess they only have St. Catharines down here. I don't think that covers yeah. all of Niagara. Is Horizon? I think I thought Horizon merged with Electra like full fold. I can I frankly, to be perfectly honest, I can't keep track of who reports to whom and covers what what area. All I know is if mine's out, who I call. <laughs> I just I can't keep track of everybody. I want to thank. Uh, well, we have a second here. I want to thank uh, local Louie for filling in on the program last week. Uh, pleasure to have him uh, in the chair, and it was kind of nice to uh, to call in from British Columbia, where we were out fighting some fires and uh, hanging out with some grandkids, etc. So that was uh, kind of nice. My wife said I should have lost the hat and the glasses, though. She said I looked like the Unabomber. <laughs> and when I look back at it, uh, she wasn't far off. I did kind of look like the Unabomber. Uh, trust me, it wasn't me. Um, but uh, anyway, to, uh, to Louis, thanks for sitting in. Really appreciate that. Uh, as well as Gail's Gas Bars, uh, we also appreciate your support. As per always, they fuel this program as they have been fueling Niagara and will fuel Niagara for the next 50 years and or more. As long as there are fossil fuels around... Gales will be around Niagara, guaranteed. 
and I think that'll be for quite some time. We stream Niagara, Kevin Jack, Brandon Schramm. Uh, Kevin, of course, you see here uh, on the corner of your screen, our executive producer and technical guru, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. I always appreciate working, uh, working with these guys. It's, uh, yeah, it's good to have you back. Great, right? great fun. And good to be back, Kev. Uh, and also to uh, Fiddler's Poorhouse. Uh, just once again, a lovely setting here in the window, and it's nice and cool today. A bit of a breeze. We're not baking under the heat, so uh, we have a nice uh, scene of the, the, the streetscape there from downtown St. Catharines. Just, uh, just great stuff. Now yeah, it's been blazing hotly every single Monday morning we do this show. I know all I, summer. This is episode twelve, and up to this point we were eleven for eleven. I know, I know. So uh, this is uh, this is really a pleasant break for us. Now you may be cursing it because you had beach plans or some such things. Speaking of beaches, one one thing that caught my uh, caught my attention. Just as a little aside, we were talking about Port Colborne. We're going to go back there for a second. Is it was just, just last week, it was just determined that Port Colborne's beaches would be for locals only, which is, is not a bad idea uh, on the face of it. It just could have been done a little earlier considering the beach season is pretty much over. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not quite sure what was achieved there, but, uh, you know, better late than never perhaps is the applicable term to that one. But I know they were getting inundatedly as St. Catharines yeah. and other municipalities made it locals only. I guess everybody from outside of Niagara realized where they could go and they started to descend on Port Colborne. They do have some beautiful beaches down oh, there. Don't get absolutely. me wrong. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. But, but they started to see uh, migrations in the thousands. Yeah. So finally had to act and do something. And uh, it's true. You don't really understand what's happening until you see it happen in your own backyard and the uh, the ward councillors on the region from uh, from and, uh, and the city councils, etc., finally, finally got the message through to their comrades in arms that uh, it was an issue, because you know, as uh, as they say, we're full of cliches today. Out of sight, out of mind. So if you don't experience it every day, you, you don't you don't really take it as seriously. But uh, when when it is in your backyard, it's a it's a big deal. So. Better, it'll set the stage probably for similar occurrences, uh, heaven forbid, uh, should the situation continue to be like this for next year. I know people are hoping that we're going to be a little bit more wide open and this COVID thing will be behind us by then. But there's a big, big chance that, uh, that it won't be completely behind us by then. So it'll set the stage at least for how to handle things when the next season rolls around. While we're talking COVID stuff, Kev, why don't we do a segue into that because we are still keeping a COVID watch, if you will. Now, one of the things that they've done, you'll see in the graphic, if you recall, what has been published before. Uh, they used to say new cases today and then new cases yesterday. Well, now they're giving actual dates so that uh, we can keep track. But September 6th, of course, was yesterday. New cases in the Niagara region, two. Growth rate, 0.2% and new cases on Saturday also 2 growth rate on Saturday also 0.2%. So on the on the face of things we seem to be doing okay. Just taking a look at some of the other yeah, stats here. Yeah. It's it's hard to say there are so First, many stats it's hard to say. What was that 70% uh, Let's take a look at that. 
Percent of new cases that have no known exposure. Okay, so... I think that number has increased. I believe it has increased because they've been able to track a lot of the, of the sources for the infections. But 70% of the known cases right now, they have no idea where they got it, which is, it's a little disturbing. But, but yet the numbers are so low, we're looking at two a day. So when you start talking 70%, 70%. three <laughs> of the point, four people. 1.6. One, 1. <laughs> yeah. So. Some we're, silly we're, thing. We're like doing that. okay, but of course, you know, school back tomorrow and, uh, and people are a little fearful of that. Yeah, um, which leads me to uh, remind you of our lineup today. You'll see the, the picture up in the, the corner of your screen here. Crystal Caputo is going to be joining us. It'll be her, I think, third appearance on the program. It's always a pleasure. Uh, Crystal is a Niagara mom, a business person in the region as well, and uh, a citizen that has been keeping us informed on the parents' perspective of this back-to-school so-called plan. And there has been an awful lot of talk continuing this week. Um, I think it was about a week ago we heard, or once again, maybe not even a week, that the four major teachers unions have uh, filed suit or taken the government to court, etc. So the whole, the whole conflict back and forth thing is not done. I heard another announcement this morning on my way into our studio here that the Elementary Teachers Federation uh, is advertising quite uh, often to contact this particular website and um, tell Doug Ford that uh, this is not what you want. So the, the tit for tat goes on and uh, I'm, I'm not so sure that that's anything productive, but what do I know at the end of the day? Gail Hanlon, you will also see her uh, lovely mug right up here. We chatted with her as well before as an expert on homeschooling. And boy, did we learn a lot from her about homeschooling, uh, the, the, the restrictions of it, the, legal, uh, the legality of it, the things that you can do, uh, can't do, and uh, how the whole thing can be put together if that's something that you think might be a good idea. We'll get an update from uh, her perspective on our current situation. Kevin, uh, let me chat yes, with sir. you for just a second, if you have a minute. Absolutely. Uh, because if Crystal is our uh, resident mom uh, on on schooling, <laughs> you're going to be you've turned into our resident dad. Yeah, I guess so. I'm fine with that. Yeah. So, what is the situation with your youngsters? Uh, come tomorrow? They're going to school. I okay. have a, uh, a five-year-old who's entering senior kindergarten and a six-year-old about to be seven who is entering grade two. They are super ecstatic that tomorrow they get to see their friends finally after six months. Believe it or not, they're happy to be going back to school. As parents, I'm not really so fearful, and that is my own personal opinion right. on COVID, on the threat of COVID, etc., etc. And I will say this, that I don't believe that anybody's opinion on COVID or the personal decisions they make for themselves and their families are open to criticism. I'll say that right out. Whatever decision you are making is the right decision for you. Yeah. And the right decision for us and our family is to send our kids back to school. It's for the mental health of them and believe it or not, Lee, the mental health of me. Uh, maybe because the finish line has been so close. Yeah. But for the last week, week and a half, 
Um, I have not. I have not been good. Like honestly, the the stress of it, the six months adding up. Maybe it's the um, the cumulative effect. Yeah. I've not been good for the last week. I I, I can see it that the the stress is building, and I wish it wasn't that way. But I'm just telling you, as I guess the resident father, that that's what I've been dealing with, and the kids are going back to school, and as an entrepreneur. Uh, I couldn't be happier to finally get two feet under myself and my business again. Well, that's, um, I, and I appreciate that perspective and the point that you made about everybody's decision being personal because their situation is personal. There are no two situations that are alike, and um, social media is rampant with that kind of uh, uh, judgmental uh, approach or condemnation of somebody's decision or what they're doing. And man, that's just. Uh, that's just uh, out of line. I totally agree with you on on, on that because everybody everybody needs to do what's right for them and uh, and their family. And like we talked about before, raising kids doesn't come with a rule book, you know. So you just gotta you have to. Parents fly by the seat of their pants on these things, and we're not going to know until we get into this so how it, how it goes. So we get into it, then we adjust as we go along. Yeah, I really think it's important not to criticize what decisions other families are making because. Yeah. Every family is disgusted. This, this isn't something you wake up and just decide flippant. No. Uh, my wife and I have had serious conversations about what we're going to do. But anyway, let's, uh, let's get Crystal into the conversation. Let's do that, yeah. Hi, Crystal. How are you doing today? Good morning, Lee. Good morning, Kevin. I'm well. How are you guys doing? We are great. Thank you very much. Um, you have become sort of our uh, go-to mom. I know, over the last uh, little while, although you're much more than a mom. We're going to talk about some of those things as well. But Crystal Caputo is uh, Niagara Falls. She is, we've been talking to her about this whole back-to-school thing back in from its early stages. And now the time is here, Crystal. The supposed start date of school is tomorrow. What is your situation right now? Um, so we are with DSBN, and they're doing a staggered start. So one starts on Wednesday, and one starts on Thursday, and they are going back uh, full time. I, I kind of hear Kevin saying, "I actually have the opposite experience." I was looking forward to this, and I know I've been like, "They're going back, they're going back," but I'm starting to feel like a little bit anxious—not about the COVID stuff, but just about like the separation anxiety because we've been together basically 24/7 since. March break, so that's going to be an adjustment for everyone over here. <laughs> that's interesting. I hadn't, uh, I had not, that had not entered my mind, but uh, I'm sure that's going to be a thing for uh, for folks because it's not too it's not too hard to get into a routine, and then after that kind of time to break it, uh, I can see that happening. But I never thought of it from that perspective. Yeah, well, we'll work through it just like we did with JK, I guess, and yeah. it's going to be the new the new normal, if you will. What they do you need think, to go back, though. Yeah, like, yeah. What do you think about the the staggered start? What um, I'm not I'm not sure of the uh, of the thought behind it, the motivation for it. Uh, so my understanding is is just to not overwhelm the kids or the teachers as everybody gets used to the new okay. protocols for going into the school. I mean, just for me personally, it's inconvenient because now I have one starting one day and then there's like, how come he gets to stay home and I can't stay home? <laughs> so other, I know that the Catholic school board's doing it by last name, they're cohorting. So that would have been a more helpful approach. But I have had communications from both of my son's teachers this year, like explaining what to expect and 
what the process is going to look like. So they've been very good at being uh, communicative during this new phase while we start back at school. So hopefully it goes smoothly. <laughs> the um, There's been a lot of politicizing of this process, the back to school plan, the rolling out, the um, social distancing or not social, anyway, the, the whole with, I mean, all four teachers unions in the province of Ontario have some sort of legal action uh, ongoing with the province. The federations are uh, advertising heavily uh, against some portions of the plan. As, as a mom, as a parent, as a taxpayer, as a citizen of Ontario, what is your perspective on the rhetoric that's flying around? Um, so I think it's disappointing. And I think as usual, when unions are involved in this kind of stuff, uh, they're dragging the teachers into it. The teachers just want what everybody wants, what all the parents want. They want a safe restart to school. Uh, I think it's unfortunate that the unions are trying to capitalize on the pandemic right now and push this narrative out that it's unsafe and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I trust uh, Minister Lecce. I trust the chief medical officer. I trust sick kids. Uh, when you look at this stuff, I mean, and, and to Kevin's point, it's why you have to respect whatever decision parents are making, because you have to assume that nobody woke up, as he said, and just decided, oh, we're keeping him home and we're sending him in. And you, you take all the information and then you make a decision that's right for your family. And I personally look at the information and I trust the path that the minister has put forward. With regard to the politicians being in a position of almost um, like between rock and a hard place, uh, almost untenable position of trying to come up with a perfect plan. There probably isn't a perfect plan. Right. So um, my perspective is we just have to we have to let it play out and see see how it goes and adjust as as we move along, because we know that we know that it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. And we, we've all the experts are telling us reassure your children don't use don't use fear tactics like we want them to be comfortable we want them to not be afraid of this pandemic i mean it's it's mentally damaging to them what we've gone through and what they've heard and then to have constantly be bombarded on media with all these it's scary you know no. sorry kevin was that Kevin chiming in or just background? I didn't know. Uh, no, we just got a guy walking down St. Paul Street. He's a little happy this morning. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, Kevin, maybe you feel differently, but I just think it's unfortunate that they're perpetuating this fear when we're being told by experts to like try and limit the fear for them. So it's, I don't know. I don't know. I think I fall back to whatever decision you're making for your family is the right one. If you try and get into a debate about people's interpretations of what so many different experts are saying, and to be honest, Crystal, um, I can pull up an article right now or I can pull up a YouTube video of an expert telling me that there's nothing to be fearful of. And then yep. at the same time, I can watch the next video of a different expert telling me that fear is at the core of COVID. Um, so, so I don't know. Again, I... I'm not, I'm not that fearful, but that's my personal decision and that's my personal interpretation. And I don't think that it's right to tell somebody else who is fearful that they're wrong. Yeah, I agree if with that. that. If that makes sense. I mean, there's experts saying so many different things and I think a lot of people want to listen to the experts that align with their thoughts. And you can yeah. always find one of those. I agree. But the, uh, sorry, Lee, I no, just No, no, it's okay. No, no, go. 
say something about what Kevin just brought up. And that's the fact that a lot of the, what we're not talking about is families are having to make this decision out of necessity. So unfortunately, there are going to be some people that are really fearful, but because they have to work, they're sending their kids back. So there's that whole other element too, right? Like it's, it's a privilege to be able to keep your kids home if that's something that you can manage, but a lot of people can't. So yeah. no, I guess I, to your point, was just going to have to play out and we'll pivot as we need to pivot and exactly i agree happen. wholeheartedly and this this is something I, I may have brought up before on this program and it's a little harsh but it's harsh to make a point saying that i, I don't really care about somebody's opinion on covid and back to school whose salary has not been affected yes i just i just don't like your your perspective is not the same as the rest of society who have seen major dents taken out of of their annual revenue and I'm one of those people. So to hear somebody's opinion whose job has shifted to a remote, so now their job, if anything, has probably become easier, their salary has been unchanged, tell me that this is the decision they're making for their child and it's the only right decision to make. Well, again, it's, it's the right decision for you. Isn't that an interesting uh, element of just about any difference of opinion on any topic? that is out there there are so many look at look at the unrest that is happening all across north america for so many different reasons predominantly in the united states but um but europe is is not left unscathed no no continent has been left unscathed uh with the possible exception of antarctica by by issues uh i don't know how the penguins feel but with the with the exception of that area of the world there is conflict and people are protesting things that ha that don't affect them and um not all of them of course there are it doesn't mean that the movements themselves have no value uh they they do at the core of the matter but how many how many people are involved with the protests and end up causing unrest that really haven't been personally affected by it is that okay or is it not okay yeah, well, it's not okay. I'm very happy that we live in Canada, greatest country in the world, um, because it's actually pretty horrifying what's happening. I'll, I'll look to the south for our neighbors, and it's now in Rochester, New York. It's they're burning down businesses, they're burning down bus stations. Like for what purpose? Like and toward what end? It's 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 horrifying, and I feel really worried for the state of affairs down there. And I I don't really know how they resolve it without getting into a huge political discussion about how this is lining up time wise with the American election. Trump supporters, Biden supporters, like it's. I'm glad we're in Canada. Yeah, <laughs> that will be my diplomatic answer to yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I I, I concur. Going to pop back to school for a second and ask you uh, a question about uh, exactly what environment your kids are going into now your children of the age that they do not have to wear masks correct one does oh one, one does, does all right oh yeah kevin you your your uh, yours are of the ages where they don't have they to. do not but we'll be sending them to school with masks okay and encouraging them to wear them and i think that's the stance that the school has taken as well that even though it's not mandatory we're going to encourage our younger students to wear masks okay crystal have you been told what the uh, or do you know what the actual environment will be that your children will be in like will they be distance uh, will the desks be separated further than usual and that kind of thing yes yeah, so i'm actually i've seen like pictures and they're meant to be like this is horrifying and they show the classroom setup and all the desks are spread out that's how school was when i went to school 
And for some reason, I don't know where it flipped along the way, but they've got them in these little pods. Oh. I don't know if Kevin, well, Kevin, your kids are young enough that they would have been in the same thing. It's play-based learning. Yeah, at kind that of point. a group where they'll, where they'll yeah. smash four tables together. Yes. And I personally don't believe that that's conducive to learning and, and keeping young attention spans. So I'm actually in favor of the new layout, spacing out the desks, having your own little island. Um, plus it serves the function of social distancing. Listen, they're kids. They haven't seen their friends in six months. They're, you can 100% bet that they're gonna run up to each other and hug each other. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not gonna be able to stop that, right? So I think, and what we've been saying at home, same thing as Kevin, even though the younger one doesn't have to wear a mask, we'll be sending them with the mask. And we're just pushing hand hygiene where that's the most important thing, like Purell, Purell, wash your hands. There's no water fountain. So you have to bring a bottle to just use the filling station, which we've done for five years already anyway. So um, I'm okay with the way that class is set up and I think they're staggering outside recess breaks to smaller pods so like to your point I, I think that there has not been any area that hasn't been thought thought through from the teacher's perspective and in consultation with the province and I, I mean we're just going to have to see how it goes there's I don't think that there's anything more they could have done I mean whether you have 15 students or 30 students they're kids, they're gonna play together. So the, the social distancing angle in smaller classroom argument just doesn't hold weight for me personally. Um, that being said, of course, I want my kid to have more one-on-one -on -one attention, but uh, I don't think You'd it's- You'd want that anyway. Exactly, exactly. So um, I'm okay with the setup. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, before we uh, let you go and get on with your busy life, uh, let me come back to something that we talked about the last time you were on and how is your outdoor challenge going? Oh, it was great. And I heard you guys talking about beaches. So we were at the beach like the day before they stopped letting like non Port Colborne residents oh, yeah. go to the beach. Um, so it was amazing. It was it's we're so lucky to have such beautiful beaches down here. And it was busy, but it wasn't too busy where everybody was spaced out. The, undertow was insane that day but oh you just forget like every time we go with with the kids because they love it like they were born on the wrong coast for sure <laughs> they just sit out there for like five hours in the in the water and and it it was beautiful so everybody should go to the beach but i guess you have to be a resident now and is it true in st Catharines too or you just have to be a niagara resident to uh, well it said locals i'm i, I think it, i think if you're niagara you're okay yeah, I think in I think Sunset Beach you just have to live in Niagara, but now in Port Colborne you have to live in Port Colborne. Oh, right, and not just anywhere in Niagara. No, they have like city workers like checking IDs wow. when when you go to get get in now. Okay, that's interesting. What else is happening in your life? Uh, anything uh, anything we can uh, give you the camera for, give you the platform for before you go? Well, I might have some exciting news, but I. We'll have it to hopefully share with you guys next time. Okay. Uh, I'm also starting a program at Harvard this fall too, so it'll be online and virtual. So I'm going back to school as well, except it'll be online. Um, that so is just, a, that, that's the Harvard. The Harvard. The yeah. Harvard. Okay. <laughs> it's got a ring so to it, Crystal, was, I got to admit. And uh, congratulations on your acceptance, and I wish you all the best. Oh, thanks, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was joking because my parents, it was always supposed to be a Harvard Law School, but it's Harvard Business School, but we're going to take it over here. Well, we, we shall await your exciting news. And as always, uh, a well, well thought out chat today. And I appreciate you coming on the program. Good luck with uh, the school year and all that goes with it. 
Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Kevin. Have a great day, guys. Bye. You too. So there you go. Um, as always, some interesting points uh, to come up. One of the things that I hadn't thought of uh, was is what Crystal mentioned with regard to the separation anxiety of the, the change of routine being so drastic since the last six months have been um, pretty much joined at the hip, uh, parents and children for that whole time. Uh, interesting perspective on that. Hadn't thought of that. Uh, 11 o'clock, you'll see there Eric Thomas, uh, founder and host of, of Raceline Radio, is going to be joining us. Uh, Canadian Motor Speedway is not as dead as we had previously thought. It's been lingering. It's been on life support for quite a number of years. But uh, there's new news that has been uh, released over the past week about Canadian Motor Speedway. Eric Thomas, as well as his role with Raceline Radio, is the media consultant for that enterprise. So we'll be, uh, if there's anybody that knows uh, more about it, I don't know who that would be. So uh, he's going to be with us uh, around 11 o'clock this morning. And uh, we're going to have Gail Handlin on when she is uh, ready to go. We're going to continue with the school theme. And Gail is a homeschooling expert. And we have had her on the program before. And I was frankly blown away by, and that's not too strong a point. That's not too strong a, a phrase because I, I, I thought I knew something about homeschooling. I knew nothing. Absolutely nothing. It is such a more organized uh, process than I had any idea. I thought uh, my previous concept of homeschooling was uh, parents who just don't want to send their kids to school uh, figure they're smarter than the average bear and so they want to control anything and everything with regard to the acquisition of knowledge that surrounds their kids and they'll do it their own way. Thank you very much. And maybe it's a little bit like that, but it's so much more organized and there are so many more resources than I had any idea. And um, Still, the, so, uh, the task for me as a parent, Lee, seems daunting. Me too. But, me you know, too. it's personalities, right? And there, there are some there that just uh, that relish in the idea of teaching their children and to them, kudos. Uh, but Gail knows everything, the ins yeah. and outs of homeschooling. A lot of parents right now that are making that decision of, okay, I don't want to send my child to school are then faced with, well, what now? What are my options? Yeah. What do I do now and how do I adequately teach my children the curriculum that they would otherwise be getting at school? And we're just touching base with Gail here, and I know we'll get her on the program yeah. in a couple of minutes. You know what would bog, uh, bother me uh, if I still had school-aged children and... I were to be in the situation of having to homeschool them uh, is it's very common for children to listen to other people more than they listen to their parents because they're their parents you know and they're there it's almost like a child's uh, job is to rebel you know and so when you're a dual role as a parent and a teacher can, how do you separate that? I don't, I don't think kids in their own mind can separate the fact that, oh, this is mom teaching me uh, mathematics and, and science as opposed to this is mom the teacher and this is mom the mom. You know, I don't, I don't know how you separate that. And um, that's what would bother me. I, I kind of like the idea that there's a third party that is going to have some influence and might have some sort of a different perspective, might be better at communicating with my child than I am about things to do with, with schooling. 
So that's what would bu- I think that's what would give me pause if I still had uh, child uh, or uh, school age children. At, for uh, me, Lee, it has to do with the the younger grades. I, I always thought that I could I could teach high school, mm-hmm. but I knew that elementary school I do not have the patience for that. And here <laughs> yeah. I am, you know, a father of two loving and great five and six year old children, yeah. and I love them and I get along with them. But to do that day in day out, and especially with twenty other people's children, yeah, uh, that would be that would be over overwhelming for me. I yeah, I don't I don't blame you. Would be for me too. Okay, uh, do we have uh, Gail ready to go? We do? All right, Gail Hanlon is uh, going to be immediately joining the program. Home. Hi, Gail. Hello there. Good how, morning, good morning. How are you? Unspeakably marvelous. It's Unspeakably marvelous, that's wonderful. <laughs> Especially on a Monday. That's Absolutely. good. Absolutely. Yeah, so. Well. Go ahead. Excitement is as excitement is, because I'm in that area of uh, no power. So I raced out over here to EggSmart on Geneva and... Uh, <laughs> I wondered what was going they, on around you. Yeah, yeah. So they di- they're they diverting tr- uh, cars around uh, York and Lowell, because there's a big truck there removing some debris. So. Yeah. So it was obviously something wind-related, as we were talking about earlier. Yes. Yeah, we yes. showed some of these so. pics, Lee, and I'll bring these back up yeah. on the screen. I saw them. I did. Yeah, I did see them. That's great. Yeah, that was in Montebello I mean, Park, and uh, via the comments on Niagara 411, people watching the show said they just heard a tr- big tree fall on York Street, and uh, et cetera, okay. et cetera. So, um, Be careful, everybody, walking your dogs and yeah. all that. So. Yeah. Watch those trees. So, uh, Gail, here yeah. we are. Finally, uh, the rubber shall hit the road, as they say, with regard to the brand new school year, which there, are, there is some staggered uh, openings, but for all intents and purposes, the school year officially begins tomorrow. Uh, what, what has been going on in your life with regard to the whole homeschooling processes, if anything, from, since the last time we chatted? Well, as you know, I'm on the executive for the Ontario Federation of Teaching Parents, Mm -hmm. and I'm in many groups on homeschooling, uh, on all sorts of platforms, Reddit and um, Facebook as well. Uh, The Facebook communities are just inundated with families and parents that are fearful. And so our biggest job uh, with trying to help these families is to alleviate any fear. We can't control what's going on in in their lives uh, with regard to their schools. If they're choosing, um, they don't feel like they're actually having a choice. It's that they're feeling backed into a corner. If they want their children to be safe and they are unsure of what's going on many uh, in fact i don't know any that have actually received um information and so when people are joining the groups they're putting in their reasons right so i'm afraid uh the school hasn't told me anything what do i do so they're turning to the homeschoolers who have been doing this for possibly decades um for advice and uh support which we are happy to give them. There's even a, uh, a group called 
uh, COVID homeschooling. Oh. So for those people that are are planning on returning their children, and they're just doing this as a stopgap measure, because the I think the biggest con- confusion comes from the um, school board's definition of homeschooling and the, the dictionary definition of homeschooling. So <clears throat> if people are just opting out of sending their kids to school and doing things that's uh, doing the same curriculum, then that's technically not homeschooling. That's um, school at home or COVID schooling. Um, okay. So, so there is a, is a big um, difference between the philosophy of home educating and being um, stuck in a situation that you're not used to. Okay, uh, that's an interesting point. You say that uh, people that are just keeping their children home and trying to, fi- trying to follow the same curriculum is not homeschooling, it's just doing school at home. I realize that's sort of a play on words, but uh, I get what you're co- where you're coming from to a point. Uh, yes. Now, let's, Let's try to clear that up a little bit. I How, can do that. Okay, yep. thanks. Go, you go. Then. Okay. So, so um, in the Education Act, as I mentioned last time I was on, Section 21-2A states that a person is excused from attendance at school if satisfactory instruction is provided at home or elsewhere. That's where it stems from. So the satisfactory instruction is not defined by the Education Act, nor should it be. However, the people in the system believe that satisfactory instruction is the ministry-approved curriculum. Whereas when you excuse your child from attendance at school, you are no longer bound by that curriculum. You are free to choose anything you wish anywhere in the world that is right for your children. So for instance, people with kids with special needs may need to, I've talked to people recently, um, they've got a a child going into grade eight and they're functioning at a grade two level. How does that, how does that help that, that child? Mm -hmm. Right? So when you excuse your children, you can create, or, or purchase or, or put together a program of your own research and creation. There are a million out there. And with people connecting on the homeschooling groups, they can connect with people like them who have challenges like they do, who can help them find the right things to do. Okay, and Gail, sometimes, yeah. Let, let me ask you this. I, I, and I know there are people that are watching this right now that um, are trying to wrap their heads around this, what you just said, in that when you go through a traditional out-of-home schooling atmosphere, go through the traditional streams of education, et cetera, when you graduate from uh, elementary school, uh, it's a matter of record. When you uh, graduate from high school, it's a matter of record. You use those records in your performance or the the performance of your children for applications to post-secondary education, uh, getting jobs and those kinds of things. What kind of accreditation comes along with a homeschooling uh, 
atmosphere where you've picked your own curriculum. How does that work? You've, you've absolutely hit on something that most people don't know. It, those things truly only apply to those people that are in the system. So if you go to um, universityadmissions.ca, mm -hmm. you will find all the alternative ways to get into universities and post-secondary uh, education, colleges and universities without ever having gone to school. Huh. You, it is, they're not required. They are a creation that the system needed to keep things organized. Same with grade levels. Grade levels are not necessary to be followed. I had a, my daughter was at a grade six level for spelling and, uh, and, and, um, and grammar when she was eight, but at a grade 11 reading and comprehension level at eight. So the grade levels are, are what is in place in the schools, but not all that, that's one way and one way cannot meet the needs of every child. So when we're talking about um, education and learning, um, there need to be as many ways to learn or as many options out there as there are kids and ways to learn. Is it your opinion, Gail, that university recruitment, uh, recruitment the people um, or the people that make the decision on admissions, et cetera, give equal or enough weight to homeschooled students as they do traditionally schooled students? Do they recognize um, it? The they same? recognize it more. The reason why the Canadian universities and colleges uh, adopted this, it was not very much different than the um, international students coming in. They don't have Ontario high school diplomas. They have to be, go through a different way, right? So um, they have to be assessed differently. Okay. So back about 30, oh, 20, 20 years ago, um, the U.S. universities were contacting the Ontario Federation of Teaching Parents, basically soliciting our students. They were reaching out to us because they wanted to invite the homeschoolers uh, full scholarships and everything because they recognized that the home educated students were ones that were motivated they wanted to learn they were self-directed they were not the kind of people who were just there because it's what you do after high school right that's uh so fascinating yeah so actually the the um the statistics from harvard is that um, one in every thousand homeschoolers gets in versus I think it's one in every 10,000 uh, regular school students. Fascinating stuff. Gail, um, what Kevin and I were chatting about before we, we got on with you here was uh, our absolute, our shared fear of actually having to handle teaching our own children at home if we were in that situation. Now, Kevin's are going back to school and he's uh, pleased that they're going back to school uh, for, for the family, et cetera, and like for their own reasons, and that's great. Um, I'm trying to think back to when I did have school-age children 
And uh, it would be so daunting for me that there's absolutely no way that I, I, I think I could be uh, dad parent and dad teacher uh, parallel to one another. This is a big question that is coming up in in the uh, homeschooling community right now, too, especially for those new scared parents who are wondering how to do this. Um, it is absolutely uh, doable to have. I worked full time um, and I was homeschooling and I was a single parent. Wow. So I was. Yeah. Um, back in the day, uh, I think it was 2002. Um, TV Ontario did a show called Planet Parent Families. I had the uh, wonderful uh, experience of having the TVO cameras in my home for a week, uh, documenting a video diary of a single parent homeschooler. Today we call that reality shows. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, it is absolutely doable, and the homeschoolers are being able to provide those people who want to keep their their children in um, something like outside of the system that maybe need to go out to work. Everybody's coming together. There's mentors. There's um, childcare providers that are have similar age kids that feel the same way. So people are connecting on the groups to say, hey. If, every, if anybody has a grade whatever child and they want them to hang around with some more, I'm, uh, my house is open and we can do that. Um, and so uh, everybody's trying to help each other, um, which has been really, really good. Now, I was on a, a Zoom chat yesterday with the um, Arrow Society. I don't know if you're familiar with them, the Alternative Education um, Resource uh association i am and now it, yeah <laughs> on online it's educationrevolution.org um and they were talking about the uh difficulties uh for families in the same way because it's everybody's experience is the same thing everywhere and families creating micro schools okay. together so that they can support one another in those things. Now, micro schools are also something that, ha I mean, the term is just being coined, but we've been doing it for a long time. There are private alternative schools in Ontario that people can register with to um, either have their children go, but these micro schools are five uh, to 10 kids maximum. Interesting. And yeah. Kevin, uh, as our uh, resident uh, executive producer, as well as uh, dad of school-age children, what are you thinking about all this? Uh, as I said before, we, we learn a lot from this lady. Absolutely. And Gail, wanted to throw this your way. For parents in Niagara, they are going to get some curriculum provided by the schools, but I think the schools are still trying to figure that out, to be perfectly honest. What resources are available to parents across all ages and all grades for them to administer homeschooling. Okay, so if you think about the school system and the curriculum, and then these parents that are now without that, everything else is out there. And that <clears throat> is what can be overwhelming for families. There is so much information, so much, so much curriculum, so many alternatives. There that it's hard to choose. So 
a lot of us who are mentors uh, to these families are sitting down with them, talking to them and saying, okay, what is it that you want? What is it that you expect? Um, and and because then we can go do uh, help them research online for what they can do. I, I work with a few families that their kids can't do online or they don't have Wi-Fi. They don't have yeah. access to the online things. So um, it's impossible for them to even do the out the, the 300 minutes outside like, because they don't have it. Um, so we are able to connect them with whatever works for them, whatever relieves their stress because we don't want their stress to be exacerbated. Okay. Uh, Gail, uh, again, every time we chat with you, there's just new and improved information. Uh, maybe not new and improved for you, but it is for us because it's, uh, it's a world that uh, is so much more organized and sophisticated than I would have ever dreamed. And I really appreciate you shedding light on this and hopefully it will also give people that are feeling some of those stresses some avenues to uh, explore. Uh, if can, I, can I throw one more thing <clears throat> at you before I go? Absolutely. Okay, so when, you, when we talk about traditional school and what we all are conditioned to know as traditional now, has only been around for 150 years. We only got government controlled education in 1871. So we had a lot of intelligent people before then and always will do. That's interesting to uh, put it into that kind of perspective. What is their first po point of uh, contact? Is it email? Is it a Facebook visit? Is it a, a, a I website? Where do they go? I highly recommend the Ontario Federation of Teaching Parents has the most accurate information that they can get. It is OntarioHomeschool.org. OntarioHomeschool.org. That's the first place of contact? Right. Awesome. Second is there is Niagara uh, homeschooling. If they just type in on Facebook Niagara homeschooling, they will find the Niagara homeschool group. And uh, and if they just type in homeschool Ontario, they will find many many groups. There are over nine thousand, uh, almost ten thousand, in the one homeschooling group, and wow. uh, five to six thousand in others. So Whoop. yeah. Drop my pen. Thank you. Gail. Take care. Have uh, a great day. Just, uh, uh, I'm no, I know we will have you back. That is, uh, yeah, without, uh, without question. And uh, sorry I created a clatter. I dropped my pen. Anyway. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> such, as, uh, such as live entertainment, news uh, infotainment, as they say. You are watching the 411 uh, here uh, on uh, live stream Niagara. My name is Lee Sterry. We stream Niagara Powers, this whole thing. Uh, Kevin Jack, of course, is uh, the head cheese behind uh, the big cheese and uh, at we stream. And uh, also uh, to Nick at Niagara 411, we appreciate the partnership with you. And uh, thank you for allowing us to use your content from time to time. We feel a bit of a part of your world, which is, uh, which is awesome. Gail's Gas Bars 
is uh, also the fuel behind this program, fueling Niagara for the next 50 years as they have been for the previous 50. Check out their rewards program. Um, and uh, again, they are as focused on Niagara as we are. So we always appreciate the support of Gales Gas, no, without, uh, without doubt, as well as uh, Mook from uh, Fiddler's Poor House in this beautiful open windows street front studio we have going for us here on St. Paul Street in downtown St. Catharines. And it's so lovely that we're not baking in the heat. Every Monday has been, a, uh, has been sort of like a shake and bake here, but uh, this is uh, pleasantly cool. Now, Although you trying to celebrate your holiday Labor Day Monday uh, may not appreciate this weather, uh, at least up until 1130 we do. <laughs> um, now, Lee, it's funny because, you know, you think of things that COVID-19 has taken away from us, and here yep. we sit on a Labor Day Monday, and traditionally, this is a, a pilgrimage down to uh, Iverwind Stadium in Hamilton, or I guess Tim yeah. Horton Stadium, and the big Labor Day clash between the Ticats and the Argonauts and the yep. CFL season scrub for this year, and that's been a tradition for decades. And I know there's a lot in Hamilton and a lot down here in, uh, in Niagara, that would that would go there every year and watch the Labor Day Classic if, if that was the only game yeah. they watched, you know? Yeah, I know I know some people that, uh, irrespective of where the location might be, they're at Grey Cup every year. They travel all over the country, uh, no matter where. And, uh, like, there's some, some people are going to be like a 20, 30-year tradition or something like that that they're going to have to have to break. Not that I'm a huge uh, CFLer. I, I kind of am. Uh when I was in Hamilton, of course, the, the Thai cats, I would, uh, you have to be, or, they, the throw, water. or they throw you out of the city. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of the same when I was in Winnipeg, but with the, with the Blue Bombers. That's, Absolutely. That, that's a, the, the Blue Bombers are a religion in, uh, in Winnipeg. Absolutely. And uh, I know that this is outside the whole Niagara realm. However, it does affect uh, those of us in Niagara and the Hamilton Tiger Cats, who aren't that far down the highway, is wonder what the future of the CFL will bring because of this situation. The league went to the federal government to ask for a no-interest loan to be able to operate their league for this 2020 season, and they were refused. Thus, there is no 2020 season, and one wonders if that's the situation, what is the health of, of a league that cannot sustain itself even for one season through, uh, through times like this. One wonders what, how viable it is as a league in general, as a business. I think for a lot of sports that have hit pause and maybe even the other ones that have, you know, NBA, NHL, that have gone into a bubble, it's an opportunity to probably implement change that they've always wanted to and, you know, the, the, the tradition has been resistant to. So maybe for the CFL, that could be more games. It could be less games. Yeah. It could be more travel. It could be less travel. I don't, I don't know what those changes are, but, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of things on the back burner that leagues have always wanted to implement that they'll find COVID is presenting an opportunity of acceptance for that. Or, uh, yes, uh, I, the flip side of the coin, of course, uh, of opportunity is irrelevance because they'll, they'll either find those opportunities or they'll realize that they're irrelevant and cease to exist. Yeah. Um, now, Lee, speaking of sports, I know we're going to get Eric Thomas on here in a second because there was developmental news with the Canadian Motor Speedway uh, in Fort Erie, but 
on the heels of what Gail was talking about, she brought up OntarioHomeschool.org. Yeah. So if people are wondering what they're looking for, there's the website there. Okay. And it is the Ontario Federation of Teaching Parent, and she says this is a valuable resource for parents that are undertaking homeschooling, and it could okay. augment what the schools are going to provide online. And there's a button right there that says Start Here. So if you find the OFTP the site that that link that Kevin put up there um, just follow the follow the bouncing ball as it were follow the clicks there you go homeschooling and there, FAQs, there's all your your headings how to start homeschooling in Ontario and as Gail said most of these resources have been available for years it's just now homeschooling is on the tip of people's tongues yeah so yeah. great resources there and again it's Ontario homeschool org ontariohomeschool.org thanks Kevin for putting that up finding that for us mm -hmm. and and as you mentioned um, Eric Thomas is going to be joining us in the program just in a, in a matter of seconds or even immediately for that matter now I want to before before I get into the meat of what we're going to talk about today many many years ago when uh, Eric I, I knew him by another name way back then used to tell me uh, and anyone who would listen for that matter, the fact that motorsports was the most popular sport on the planet, the most watched, the most attended, the most researched, the most participated in, and uh, those of us uh, so-called uh, jocks of the of the football and baseball and hockey world did not believe at the time. Eric, I think maybe we believe now. Do you remember? You remember trying to convince us how popular this motorsports thing was? Can you hear me, okay, Lee? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. And when you consider other sports like World Cup soccer, and you're going to get soccer guys to talk all about it, uh, you know about you know, how popular it is, and it is popular. But when you talk about the worldwide audience for the sport of racing automobiles then what tips it over the top is the fact that you've got hundreds and, and thousands of small speedways outside of neighborhoods or in neighborhoods and just take the one that you're sitting in right now and where I am in in Font Hill is the fact that Merrittville Speedway has been there since 1952 and this season as affected as it has been badly by COVID-19. This is their 69th consecutive season. So you know how big and important and how many crowds that is. So when you add it all in together, those who don't believe that this sport is as popular as the stick and ball stuff out there, you know, really need to look at the numbers. But, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're not running a popularity contest here. I think back when we first started talking about that, you and I, and you and I go back to Gosh, you know, the very beginning is scary how, how long you and I have known each other back to the earliest days of, of Niagara College and what have you is the fact that, you know, our sport back then in the 60s and 70s was fighting for uh, national attention and international attention in terms of television. Well, now, you know, you pretty much got that. And with the advent of the Internet uh, and the other electronic mediums that are out there, you know, there are millions more people around the world exposed to this that weren't there before and you now you've got you know nbc the regular network you know and abc before that you know covering the indianapolis 500 yeah. you know and the daytona 500 live flag to flag and every f1 race is on television even the small regional stuff is on television on a on a regular basis so you know the, the fact that you've got cars moving in behind you there on st paul street 
And I, I always I always laugh when, when I see cars go by. Then I hear people say, well, I'm not a racing fan at all. I say, do you drive a car? I said, yeah. Well, then you're more closely affiliated with this sport than you know, because almost all of the safety features and mechanical features on the car you drive your kids to school with and will shortly uh, and get groceries every day had their genesis and their testing at the racetrack. So that's in really one interesting. Way or another, you're, in, in more than one way that you probably even realize, one way or another, you're affiliated with the sport, whether you like it or not. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's uh, take that hat off and just sort of slide yeah. a little uh, parallel to it and uh, put on the Eric Thomas as media consultant for Canadian Motor Speedway hat. Sure, uh, sure. And I, I'm assuming you are still continuing in that role, and that's Correct. why we reached out to you. As this past week, uh, there was some kind of revival-type news as a result of, and I'll let you get to it in a second, as a result of the fact that um, the shotgun clause, or whatever it is that you might call it. What, sunset. Sunset clause, yeah. Uh, shotgun clause, that's to do with marriages. I like Sorry, your term That's a whole different that's, that's thing. Shotgun <laughs> Do it, do it, or you blow you up. Yeah. <laughs> the sun's meaning that uh, yeah. by a certain date, if things had not gotten to a certain point with the development of the Canadian Motor Speedway, we're talking to the Fort Erie area, that this clause would be activated, which would mean the zoning would return to agricultural as it was right. prior to yep. the, the rezoning of it for the raceway. Uh, but there is new news to report, so I'm going to shut up and have you tell us what the current situation is with uh, Canadian Motor Speedway in Fort Erie. Yeah, you've explained it very well, Lee, is that over the last 10 years, there has not been any outward news that is for fan or public consumption, because for the last 10 years, really, uh, the developers of Canadian Motor Speedway in Fort Erie on Bowen Road in the QEW that was started uh, by rerouting Miller's Creek and, and doing some work on that land there, uh, they had been trying desperately to get uh, investment money from the original investor from the Middle East into Canada which by the uh, banking bureaucracy that you have to go through and and rightly so you know they want to know where the money's coming from what is being used for uh the source of, of those funds was taking an inordinate amount and an, un an unpredictable amount of time to try and get that cleared in the meantime that investor decided that it was taking too long and they had to go and find another investor well they have found another investor they were in contact with a gentleman who uh, is going to be kept uh, in camera up to this point who is not from the Middle East, uh, who has, has a racing background, who I am familiar with, uh, that is going to uh, jump in and fund this whole thing. And as simply that was what was going on over the last little while, you can say that the project was dormant and we got a lot of people asking, is it dead? No, it's not dead. I mean, they bought land. The core land for the project has been uh, in, in their purchase for the last number of years and taxes are being paid on that land. It's taken them $34 million to get it to this point. Now, what was happening, and to your point, the shotgun clause, as you call it, what's that like? <laughs> the, sun, the, sun, the sunset clause means that when you go through the Ontario Municipal Board and you get rezoned and you go to the OMB, you say, we are going to build this on this land. You need to do this over a limited length of time. Otherwise, you're right. It reverts back to the agricultural zoning that was there, and they have to start all over again. Well, the sunset clause was coming up the middle of this month and coming up pretty quick. So Azar Mohammed, the executive director of, of the Canadian Motor Speedway Development, uh, went to the town of Fort Erie with a, uh, an audio presentation and video presentation a couple of weeks ago, uh, looking for a letter of support from the town to go to what is now LPAT, which is the, I have to look it up because it's a long name. It's the, uh, the Local Planning Appeal Tribunal 
which is now what the OMB used to be, that's what the organization is now, to go to them to apply for an extension to your sunset clause. And that was just granted. The town wrote a letter uh, and the, and LPAT, right. that's the, the short form, granted that extension. So now the shotgun clause or the sunset clause has been moved a year uh, in September to September of 2021. But in that year now, they have to get equipment back on the land and they totally intend to do that. So that's the reason why after, you know, 10 years of not knowing what's going on here, uh, refunding, new investment, new timeline, new design, and an extension on the sunset clause. And that's why all of a sudden somebody's plugged this thing in and powered it all back up again. So here we are. Is a year long enough? Uh, now, you said they have to have equipment back on the land. Is there a specific uh, point at which the development has to be uh, by a, a year from now? Uh, they have to. They have to within that year. And, and uh, Azar Muhammad has told me that, and we just had the interviews on, on Raceline Radio uh, in two parts. Is that yeah? Within a year, they need to get some equipment back on that land to at least start the first phase of this thing. So you have. He, he's very confident that he can get that stuff revived. So come the spring, uh, you know, there's a very good likelihood that you're going to see some equipment back on there and start moving. Re. Uh, get back on to uh, start moving dirt on that property again. Okay, this is probably the question which is unanswerable and you bang your head every time somebody asks it. So here's another chance to bang your head. When are we okay, going to have ahead. racing in Fort Erie? Well, uh, in, on this racetrack, well, yeah. you've got a three-quarter three mile uh, paved oval, much like Richmond International Speedway, uh, for various events, stock car racing uh, of various kinds. You can mention NASCAR if you want. Jeff Gordon who was in on the ground floor of designing this racetrack is still part of the project. He's got NASCAR's ear, so you've got you know three divisions of stock car racing. Uh, you've also on the road course with this new investor, he's a big motorcycle guy. So the road course could be a big one, uh, FIA, FIM approved, and this is automobiles and motorcycle uh, approvals to build a, a road course of between five and six kilometers, pronounced correctly, uh, in length when the original design <laughs> was a little smaller than that. So the road course and the oval are going to work in concert uh, to move this forward. The beauty of originally was proposed to be a one mile track. Now it's three quarters of a mile. So this allows you to not only bring the bigs in, the Indy cars have run on, on tracks like Richmond and tracks like Iowa of the same dimension. So there's open wheel possibilities there as well. But a track that is three quarters of a mile as opposed to the original mile proposal is the fact that you can bring in cars from the, the NASCAR Pinty series and regional cars that you may not have been able to run on a mile easily, but with three quarters of a mile, you can do that. So that's kind of an idea of what you can run on this racetrack. There's a huge educational component, working with Brock University, working with uh, McMaster University in Hamilton uh, and, and uh, others as well. Uh, and there's, there's that on the property as well. Uh, so it's, it's a year-round facility. There's, there's, there's concert considerations for this facility. You just can't build a racetrack anymore, Lee. Yeah. It's got to have more than one use. So that's basically a long answer to your short question. No, that's fine. Um, more information is always better than less, uh, especially uh, when people have been waiting for information for such a long time uh, and wondering oh, yeah. what was going on. So uh, no information is too much. One more question, though. Um, one of the hurdles that um, the owners had to deal with uh, mm -hmm. this process was dealing with was the uh, the in-go and out-go, uh, there's great grammar for you, of traffic uh, in that Bowen Road yeah. corridor. Now, yeah. there is construction happening on the Queen Elizabeth Highway even as we speak uh, in that whole Bowen Road 
area. I, I can only assume that this is part of accommodating the issues that uh, the ministry was concerned about. Am I, am I right or wrong in assuming that? You're, you're kind of right in there. Just to, to answer it correctly on the front of it is all traffic mitigation studies have been completed okay. and approved, including to, you know the, uh, the, the Department of Transport in Ontario knows what's going to happen when races are being staged on how to get fans in and how to get fans out won't even be using Bowen Road, you'll be using Gilmore Roads, oh, and all okay. the roads coming in are all one direction when the race is over. All those roads become the opposite direction one way to access and egress, I guess, is, is the, the proper terms for yeah. that. All of that has been prepared. What's going on down there now, they had to replace that overpass at Bowen Road anyway, which was not part of the CMS project, but uh, the traffic part of it was solved and approved quite a long time ago. So we're, there's really no concern about any kind of traffic problems in the area. Uh, a lot of money has been spent, as I said, it's it's 34 million bucks just to get it to this point. When we're talking about price tags, and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm wavering off your topic here, is, is the fact that when this project first went in, you know, 10 years ago, it was about $450 million with the cost of materials and what, what we want to do and say we, the Speedway want to do in this, this thing, it's upwards of $700 million now because yeah. it's just going to become much more expensive. But, you know, you're, we're finally getting some progress in terms of administration. The sunset or the shotgun clause has been extended. Uh, and it's, you know, now we now they've got a year to get equipment back on okay. that land so people can drive by and say, ah, look, she ain't dead. We're going to be okay here. And everybody, yeah. you know, everybody wants this. You know, the landowners are on are on side. There's a couple of peripheral properties they still need to close on. They are committed to that. They've never wavered from that. The core land has been in there in their purchase for a number of years now. They're paying taxes on those lands. So all the pieces are in place. They can get the equipment on, Lee, and, and hopefully do it within, within the year. They have to because of the Sunset Clause extension. But all the preliminary work has already been done. So working with Ellis Don, you know, they can get this thing up and going and bulldozing in, in pretty quick order. That's awesome. Uh, Canadian Motorsports uh, Hall of Famer Eric Thomas, thank you very much for uh, joining us today. Host and founder of Raceline Radio, Canada's longest running, I think I am correct in this, syndicated program. The only uh, one out there, baby. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, Lee, before you let him go, I think I can hop in for a second. Oh, okay. Hey. Go ahead. Hey, Eric. And I love I love the radio show. I find myself listening to it all the time, even as like a peripheral motorsports fan, which just speaks to the quality of the program itself. You're have a, a good couple guy, of, Kevin. I have a couple of questions for you. Um, yeah. As far as this facility that's being proposed, the Canadian Motor Speedway, is there anything parallel or similar to it in Canada right now? No, no, and, and I'm glad you brought that up, Kev, because this is one of the reasons why, you know, it has taken so long is because no one has tried to build anything like this in this country up to this point. It is certainly going to be historic in terms of a racing uh, facility, an educational facility, a research and development facility, and an entertainment facility. Uh, it's in an absolutely perfect place, but, but no one has tried to build this, so there isn't a blueprint, guys. There's no instruction booklet that we could say, well, this is what happened when they built this before. No, this is uncharted territory. We're, we're plowing away across the ocean, not knowing what's on the other side. We know what we want to build, but all the steps you've got to take to build something of this an enormity 
is really pioneering and you know and and some of it's anticipated and a whole lot of it isn't but you know they're bound and determined to push this thing and get it up and running otherwise they wouldn't have spent the money they have and devote the amount of time they have if they weren't devoted to doing that so That's there's great. your answer okay so and one, one more question before i throw it back to lee when you start talking yeah. about the length of a track and this is just something i've always wondered uh, let's use yeah. a road course course for example the length of the track is that the shortest path is it the middle of the road how do they measure it well, it depends. Everybody seems to have a different method of measuring tracks. Generally, when uh, a racing section, let's pick NASCAR for instance, when they measure the length of a track around, will normally measure it in the middle. Okay. Okay. You go down to the bottom, it's going to be shorter. You go to the top, it's going to be a longer distance. But generally, the rule of thumb is if you're going to do an accurate measurement of the length of any racetrack, uh, especially on an oval or even a road course, is you take a measurement somewhere around the crown or the middle of the road to give you kind of a, a, an accurate picture. I mean, a lot of people back, you know, a lot of dirt tracks around in the area, uh, you know, like Merrittville and Ransomville, varies in, well, we measured it at the bottom. No, did we measure it at the top? Not exactly sure. Some license is taken with small tracks, but the big people, the big sanctions, normally will measure their track in the middle to give you the measurement that's there. All right, cool, thanks. Good All questions. Right. Thank you, Kevin, for uh, for chiming in with those. And thank you, Eric, for your succinct answers. Just one quick note before uh, before we let you go. I was out in British Columbia visiting my family. Yes. My, my two kids are out there and grandkids and such. But that's not really the issue. The issue is the fact that my oldest son, um, you normally walk into his house and you see there's a golf tournament uh, or, a, or, a foot, or a football sure. game sure. on. And um, he watched this Netflix uh, show about Formula One racing. Yep. There was a Netflix series, I guess, about yep. Formula One. Now, I can't drag him away from the TV because he's got Formula One on almost all day long. Mm -hmm. uh, he's, he just got the bug and got hooked on this thing. And um, yep. it, it's funny. How can you, people will say about, about golfer, oh, it's so dull. Guys hitting a little white ball into a hole. Yeah, I can see it being being dull and then other people will say how can you watch cars just go around and around and around and around yeah. and and it sounds boring until you sit down and you watch some of it and it's so easy to get hooked and i'm not saying we're going to do, be doing formula one in fort Erie, but no. it's just it's racing in general can can be kind of addictive that way and if you think it's good on television and even good on radio get out to your local racetrack or get out to a major event and experience the sound of it, the smell of it, the auditory assault that it is, and, and, <laughs> and kibitz with your fans out there. And like no other sport, and here we are back circling back to the beginning of our conversation, no other sport out there affords the fans access to the dressing rooms where these guys are doing their stuff. You can visit the pits at a racetrack, Merrittville, uh, any other big track, you know, the Indian Toronto, Indianapolis 500, if you have the right passes, you can get in there. The drag racers let you get in to the pits right up where they're prepping the cars for your GA ticket. And no other sport, you can't go into the Leafs clubhouse or dressing room, you can't go into the Sabres or the Bills, but you sure darn can at a racetrack. And that's one of the reasons why fans gravitate towards that. Great family sport as well, but you're right. I mean, that series is terrific on showing you the characters, the personalities in our game are top-notch, one of the reasons why people like your, your son become attracted to it once they watch that series and realize, wow, it's a little more than just going around in a circle. Yeah. And the personalities and the technology that goes into it, especially at the upwind level, is so intriguing and very, very entertaining. Eric, uh, as always, thanks. Uh, and uh, it's good to see this project moving forward. Uh, I can't wait yeah. to, uh, to hear the cars humming out, uh, out in Fort Erie. Uh, have yourself a super week. Enjoy your, uh, your race line show this week. And, uh, We'll see you again soon. 
Tune in to Raceline. We'll bring you up to date on all the happenings with Canadian Motor Speedway. Lee, been a long-time good friend, and always good to be on with you. Thank you, Kevin, and we'll update everybody uh, along the line, and uh, thanks so much. Have a good Labor Day, everybody. You too, mate. Bye. So there you go. The CMS is, uh, is not dead. Always informative. We've had some uh, wonderful folks on here today with perspectives. Crystal Caputo, thank you for being here. Gail Hanlon, homeschooling. Uh, just a, a fascinating subject and something that parents, I'm sure, uh, by the score will be checking in to find out more about here in Niagara just to see if there's a way it can uh, help you relieve some of those stresses that may be there with regard to your children going back to school in uh, these strange times in which we live and of course to uh, to Eric. Um, also uh, want to give a shout out to our supporters again here of course Gail's Gas Bars fuel the 411 every single week and we appreciate their support check out their rewards program at gales.ca and all of the other things that uh, their organization does for niagara very very charitable uh, charitably minded as well and we'll be talking with some of those charities in the weeks to come also to nick at uh, niagara 411 uh, keep up the good work uh, keeping us informed and we appreciate the partnership with you uh, Dave McParian from uh, Fiddler's Poor House. Always appreciate being able to set up here in your lovely open air front window onto uh, St. Paul Street here in St. Catharines every Monday. And you know and, what? Uh, uh, always to WeStream. Yeah, what do you Sir, want to? Well, I was just what? about to give you a plug. I you, know. Oh, come Gosh. on. You timing is everything, man. The timing is brutal on my part. <laughs> uh, talking about cars and talking about a beautiful location on St. Paul. So uh, yeah. there we are, Lee. Okay. <laughs> there, wow, how slow is that guy going? It's like we got the slow motion cam out. Yeah. He's just checking out the show. Speaking of slow motion cams, uh, I had quite an experience uh, while I was away. I took my iPhone uh, for a swim in my son's pool. Uh, quite a lengthy swim, as a matter of fact. So lengthy that uh, it, is a, it is now being used as a doorstop. It will never, ever be used as a telephone or a computer again. So I had to get, uh, I had to get another phone. That's always a hassle. But anyway, that happened. And it's got this, uh, I don't know for the life of me why they come up with this stuff, but it's got this slow motion feature on it. Like you can record somebody, you know, like the $6 yeah. million dollar man. I, I, I'm really not sure why, but uh, uh, I, I suppose if you want something like time-lapse, well, it's got that to, on it, too. Anyway, uh, so just a little tip from me to you. If you, would, if you want to avoid a whole lot of headaches, make sure you check your swimming trunks, uh, if they have pockets, for your phone. Uh, because that's what I, that's what I didn't do, uh, and that's where the phone was. Uh, for quite a considerable length of time. What a mess. Okay, so that's my world. <laughs> so uh, we had uh, some interesting things happen over the last little while. Just to go back to the Niagara 411, there was quite a spectacular picture, and it got my attention, mainly because I've been a, a long-time Niagaran, away for a number of years, but uh, you know, still my roots are here. And one of the most often mentioned locations was Hayes Dana. Remember that? Uh, the, the old Hayes Dana plant in Thorold. Well, it was on fire, and there was a... That's probably the best, most, if you wish, spectacular-looking picture of uh, the old Hayes Dana plant on, uh, on fire. 
So I'm not uh, haven't seen any follow up as far as damage or anything like that is concerned or the or the cause. You often wonder with uh, with old buildings what uh, what goes on there. There's some other uh, photos I believe supplied by uh, Niagara 411ers. Yeah, there's. Uh, that's okay. Big it's big clouds of black smoke are never good. White smoke, eh, not too bad. Black smoke, never, never ever good. We seem to have, and maybe it's just because uh, they're getting reported more. That is always, that's always the question, isn't it? Are we seeing more of this, or is it just being reported more? Uh, I, I don't know. But when it comes to, we've talked about this before in this program, uh, stolen things from people's yards, be they, uh, be they ATVs or bicycles or uh, we had a, a young man had his wagon stolen that he needed very much. We did a story on, on that. There are so many things, uh, motorcycles, just all kinds of things being taken from people's property. And uh, again, is it happening more or is it just being reported more? I'm not, I'm not sure. And the th same thing goes for, for accidents, it was a tragic uh, tragic accident we've talked about motorcycles versus cars in the past in uh in niagara falls uh police were investigating uh yesterday a motorcycle collision uh, at approximately uh 12:25 yesterday uh uniformed officers were called to the intersection of stanley and robinson very very busy spot right by the casino district uh following the report of a collision 53-year-old Niagara Falls man, life-threatening injuries, was later pronounced deceased. It's uh, such a shame. So uh, our, our condolences to uh, the friends and family of that gentleman. A number of the comments uh, that were involved in that post expressed by people that, uh, that knew this man. And uh, it was a, a situation of somebody uh, making a left-hand turn and into the path, it would appear, of the motorcycle. Yeah, a couple Set. people on my uh, Facebook feed, uh, people that I know. So, you know, I'm, I'm two degrees away, Lee, from, uh, from the affected individual and, of course, the affected family. And I know there's a lot of people uh, grieving today across Niagara. And uh, yeah. from Lee and I and the entire 411 crew, uh, condolences. Indeed. A lot of, uh, lot of non-life-threatening injuries are, uh, are the result of many collisions that are reported on, uh, on Niagara 411 and elsewhere as well, but I guess that was my point. There seem to be a lot of collisions. Now, maybe it's because uh, in this summertime, we still, in spite of COVID, have increased numbers on the, on the roads. It may also be some distractions that are out there as well. Now, that is one area, Stanley and Robinson, is definitely an area where if you're driving, you have to pay attention because there are so many distractions in that area, uh, especially if uh, people are in the area that aren't familiar with it. They're trying to figure out where to turn, where to go, uh, follow the lights, watch for the pedestrians because there are tons of them in that area, the casino district in Niagara. And it's, uh, it's a tricky place to be operating a motorized vehicle of any sort without, without question. And that's, uh, that's again, unfortunate. 
there's a story I wanted to touch on, Kevin. I know we're getting just uh, ready to uh, wrap up. Oh, this one that you've, before we get to that, let's do this. This is something I thought was really, uh, really an interesting thing. I'd never heard of anything like it. A doggy blood donor clinic. Uh, and this was posted on uh, Niagara 411, so you can check it out. And uh, the blood donor clinic at Glen Ridge Animal Hospital. And uh, it's coming up. Oh, what the heck is it? October 13th? There it is, Tuesday, October 13th, from 10 o'clock in the morning till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, and you can do do this. You can you can call them or you can go to the go to the website of the Glen Ridge Animal Clinic and and find out more about it. What it what it appears, Kevin, is that they are actually stockpiling blood types from from dogs for use in uh, in operations be they uh, emergency or otherwise for on their on their animals. You ever, you ever have you ever heard of, heard of this? No, I mean that's exactly what I was asking you. I've never heard of this. With all the campaigns oh. we always hear about getting us to donate our blood. Yeah. I've never once heard about the need for animal blood and I, And why wouldn't there be? Right, you, of course. I mean, when it you hear it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, but I've never thought of it. Now and, we're uh, in Sinkly. And what a what a great! I just thought it was such a neat idea. I wanted to bring it to your attention. And uh, now you got some time to plan for it and find out more about it before you just jump in full, uh, full throttle. Um, October the thirteenth, Glenbridge Animal Clinic. Okay, another story that uh, Kevin and I touched on from another angle uh, a while back, and that's the fact that uh, we have experienced the. The walking of police officers from the Niagara Regional Police Service right here along uh, St. Paul Street, a community policing initiative that was started a, a number of years ago. There's, uh, I believe, Mayor Senzik uh, and, uh, and, and Council came before the Niagara Regional Council with a proposal to uh, add more police to downtown St. Catharines, including a foot patrol. Uh, that was instituted, uh, whether it was a pilot program or not, but it, it continues at the moment. And it just occurred to us that uh, it, was, it was really a neat thing to see. It was community policing um, at, its, at its most grassroots function. And that is coming up face-to-face, -face, close uh, and personal with the citizens of any given area and the business owners of any given area and uh, just sort of a hey how are you how's the business today uh, what are you doing or you know throwing a frisbee with a kid or something like that you know and so not that you're going to do that in the middle of St. Paul Street but you get my point uh, so this story got my attention and there is a there is a committee I'm looking at my computer here to to remind myself of the exact language that was used. The St. Catharines Anti-Racism Advisory Committee is recommending money in the Niagara Regional Police budget be reallocated to a civilian service to deal with mental health, suicide, and wel welfare check calls. All right, so far so good because we've talked about that before. Now, but there is another there is another piece to this. The committee is suggesting the police chief and board reassess the financial requirements for adequate policing based on removing welfare checks, mental health, and suicide threat calls. Fine. And here's where it gets tricky. As well as foot patrols that are demanded because of perception. Come again, Lee? Yeah. 
they are asking to reassess the financial requirements for foot patrols that are demanded because of perception. What perception would that be that is a negative perception on behalf of the Racism Advisory Committee? I, uh, now, once again, we talk about being uh, qualified to speak on a subject. Uh, yes, I am a male, I am white, and I am of a certain demographic that might be called old school. I acknowledge that. However, my con the, the, some of the same people, as I understand it, that came before council to ask for, a, for more of a police presence in downtown St. Catharines are part of the committee. I could be wrong about this, but I, I believe it. My information tells me that it's, it is so, so you can do your own research. Uh, are now saying that it's not a good, it's not a good look. It's not the perception of that is not a positive thing. Um, I don't see. I see exactly the opposite. And so, I just thought I'd throw that out there, and you can comment as as you see fit on it, one way or the other. As we talked about when it came to schooling, you are entitled uh, to your opinion. Uh, because you have your own perspective. Your perspective isn't mine, it's not Kevin's, it's not your neighbor's, it's yours. Uh, but my perception of the whole thing is that it made me feel good when I saw one of these officers uh, walking, walking the beat, uh, as, as they used to call it. I guess maybe they still do call it. Uh, they come by the window here, have a chat, wave. They didn't have their official hat on. They're like bareheaded and and just kind of taking a stroll and and saying hi to folks and making we, sure that everything's cool and we checking it out. We saw a patrol downtown a couple times today walk by the building. Yeah. And he said hi once. Yeah. It was nice. Yeah. Oh my God. So, um, anyway. I regional police walking by. There he goes. Somebody's been paying attention. Yeah, boy. That guy's right in tune with the program. He Maybe is. He is. Hire that guy. He is up to snuff with everything. Just, uh, just thought I'd throw that out there, <laughs> and as as a thought starter, maybe a conversation starter for you when you're uh, sitting out on a nice patio somewhere. Do we, uh, do we want less community presence by police officers on foot? Uh, does it send a, a message of a police state? Does it send a, a message of o oppression and or uh, or, or watchdogging? Uh, I'm assuming that that's the kind of perception that they're concerned about. Oh my gosh, we're uh, we're being looked at by the police all the time. We've got the cops on the street. Look out, the cops are here. I don't know. I uh, it doesn't strike me that way, and it's uh, I think it's kind of a shame that that's being tied in all those other all those other goals of the, the suggestions from the Racism Advisory Committee. All those other, other goals are honorable ones and I, I, I think certainly worth debating. Without, without question, put your financial resources as a region where they will do the most good to help people that are in those certain situations. I totally get it and I couldn't agree more. It's just that one element, that one, that one little piece of the platform that uh, has me kind of scratching my head a little bit. Kevin Jack, it looks like episode 13 is almost a, a wrap. Are we up to a point. baker's dozen? I thought we were at a regular old dozen. No. 
We're at 13 already, Lee? Yeah. How did that happen? L- Louis, had, Louis had 12. Lucky number 12. All right. And uh, you know what? Judging by the uh, smell that just wafted by, it's 420, and that means it's time to wrap up the show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there was a, there was a little... Uh, there was a waft. Yeah, there was a little uh, local foliage being uh, puffed on. <laughs> it's made its way. It's crept into the open uh, open confines here. Well, you know what? When you sit in an open-air studio uh, in a downtown environment, you never know. It's Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, Kevin Jack, thank you of WeStream. Uh, a pleasure as always. Happy to be back in the saddle here on the 411. Gales Gaspars, appreciate your support. Nick at uh, Niagara 411, thanks. And also to the Fiddler's Poorhouse, we appreciate being able to be here. To uh, Crystal Caputo, Gail Hanlon, Eric Thomas, as always, we appreciate your contributions to the program. And don't forget, by the way, if you would like to contribute to this program, we'd love to have you as a contributor at, uh, at any time. Get in touch with us after the fact. Just go to Livestream Niagara. All of our contact information is there. You can contact us off the air and away from the public spotlight to just uh, explore the opportunities if you want to be a part of us we'd love to have you no matter where you are around niagara you and your stories and your questions and your reports are important to us so till episode 14 a week from today this is the 411 have yourselves a great week